What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast, a Monday rundown, actually on a Monday. Sean and I jumped right in, and we talked a ton of NBA today, um, went around the league, talked about everything that we were interested in. Hopefully, you guys are interested, too. Following that, we talked a little golf, probably the last time of the year that we'll be talking that, just because Tiger was involved. Spoiler alert. Following that, we talked some college basketball and then talked a little bit about shows. We'll be back on Wednesday with our NFL Wednesday pod. Enjoy, guys, and we'll talk to you soon. to say about it there um i think it was deserved um and i don't have much else to say um i don't really even think there was a close second no there wasn't i mean it was it was sealed with the auburn win and then definitely capped off by what he did against georgia so a second straight year with an alabama quarterback winning which is pretty crazy because it's still funny to think about that school is definitely not new now not known for quarterbacks, uh, especially when you had the McElroys and McCarrens there. But um, we won't talk college football again until we get into the uh, into the college football playoff in a few weeks because you and I have made it a uh, declaration that we will not talk about the other polls. Uh, unbeknownst to me, but I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing that every year. So uh, <laughs> outside of the New Year's Six and the – CFP. Uh, I'm good no with that. To talk about it. I figured you would be. So let's talk a good amount of NBA. Um, this is our first rundown where we're really going to go into some NBA. Let's do it. Outside of anything else. So let's get into it. And Tom, Curry going for the record tonight, by the way, against the Pacers. I've got the game on in the background. I was just going to say we can start with our teams because I have a feeling he's going to break it in the garden tomorrow. Mm. Barring anything crazy. Seven threes he needs tonight, right? He needs seven threes. Let me turn around. This is bad podcasting. You're fine. He is playing tonight. It was a question of whether he was going to, but, uh, yeah, him and Draymond are playing. So NBA TV has the game on. It says seven threes. I don't know if that's a live ticker or they just said he needs seven for the whole game. So I, I don't know how many he needs. He needs seven. He needs seven total to break the record. No, I know, but I don't know how many he's hit thus far. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So it could be five, could be four. We don't know. Seven in one game, even for him, is a lot. So I feel like it would just be perfect for him to do at the Garden, and the Knicks fans will shower him with praise because Tom, uh, there's not much to there's not much to love about your boys in blue right now. No. Um, I mean. I gotta say, around the league, including with the Knicks, this new variant because ninety-eight percent of the NBA is vaccinated. I, I've gotten a little more dialed into the NBA since I am on a bye week this week in fantasy football playoffs. No big deal. Um, that's what happens when you finish in the top two. Grinders, um, big dogs made a big comeback. Yes, um, DMX, where my dogs at, has been sent to a lot of people. 
Um, RIP. <laughs> With that being said, yeah, I have dove in, and 97 to 98% of the NBA is vaccinated, but COVID is still running rampant out there. Uh, there is one player we know that isn't vaccinated. That's Kyrie Irving, your boy. Um, yep. But, you know, I think that that is a, a micro of the macro of the world. Everybody should throw those masks back on in public. I've made a decision to wear a mask everywhere I go because I do not want this new variant. Um, with that being said, the Knicks got hit with the COVID bug. Obi Top and a few other players out. Um, I, 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 but on the court, I mean, Kemba is out pretty much, which we knew could happen, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we thought it would happen this and fast. Given, but... given, and, and I think I said this at the at the beginning when they first signed him. The contract is so team friendly. It's it's a last, basically a last chance for him. I don't really care because we threw nothing at him. Um, the rookie last night, I, I I don't even remember the kid's name. Had Grimes. seven threes. Um, yeah, Quentin Grimes. That was something. That's pretty much the only bright spot. Quickly seems to have regressed. Um, R.J. Barrett seems to have taken a tiny step back, and Julius Randle feels like where he was in the playoffs. Dude, it's rough, and you hit a lot there with COVID. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into the Bulls and how they just have two games suspended now with what they've got going on. But, dude, I feel for the Knicks because I – listen, I laugh at Knicks fans, especially the delusional ones, but it's it was good last year when the Knicks were good, even me being down here. Yep. and. I don't, I don't quite understand what happened because I understand Fournier is a turnstile on defense, but you figured you get something offensively from him. Same with Kemba. Rose is what he is, a very efficient, good player when he plays the amount of minutes he should be playing. Yep. Alec Burks is a three-point guy, and he, he, he's, he's capable of filling it up on a certain night and can play decent defense. You got Grimes, who's shown a decent amount top, and you expect to take a step forward. But no, the offense that they run, I don't like. I don't understand because Kemba, I understand, is nothing what he was. We knew that, but for him to be unplayable in Tibbs' rotation, I think is a little unfair because they love to run this point forward system through Randall. It's not a working this machine. year. Turnover machine. He's taken bad shots that aren't falling this year that maybe he had an aberration of a year and seemed to fall last year, and the offense clearly can't run through him. Which is why I'm so confused as to why Tibbs is hell-bent on keeping him that kind of player and the main playmaker. He's not really that kind of guy. No, I think I think Tibbs is just in love with his game. Suited. He would just be much better suited, Kemba that is, to, to run the offense like a traditional point guard, but he's not being asked to. I think you put Randall back in the pick and roll, and he and you start seeing flashes of what you saw last year, being able to open up the floor. You just need another primary ball handler and a guy that can fill it up can more consistently than D Rose, given the minutes that he's putting on that body. For sure, and and we've all known Kemba's deficiencies as a defender, and they've gotten worse as he's gotten older. And which is why he's not playing for Tibbs, bro. I, I get that, but to tell me that he can't give you anything and when it's also you're continuing like, to lose. And it's also like, why did you sign the guy when he, even at his best, was a bad, was a below average defender? He's been terrible the last few years with that knee injury, and you knew who your head coach was. Felt the same way about Fournier. Yeah. I mean, I like the Fournier signing, but it, it's just like 
he can't be your second or your third option. Like this guy, I mean, it's like he's one he he's one for three out of games. Like he'll give you twenty five one night and you guys will win the game, and then the next two nights he'll give you nine with no defense. Well, the no defense is a constant, and that's watching this season materialize, dude, a couple months in now. This roster makeup really makes no sense, and I was giving Leon Rose a lot of credit for him being able to retain guys like Derek Rose and Alec Burks, but you really miss a Reggie Bullock. Yeah, as much as I hate him. If Fournier is not going to make a lot of threes, at least you're getting defense from Bullock. It's been a rough run, and I'm going to ask you, man. I mean, we're finally we are two days away from having players who signed this summer being able to be traded. So are the Knicks going to pounce early? I'm not even asking you to predict what kind of moves they're going to make, but are they going to be active? Because they're in a free fall right now, and I don't see any way it's going to get better. With I the think they are. They I mean, I mean, you're sitting at 12 and 15. We're getting, we're getting real close to the halfway point of the NBA season. It's what, probably about three weeks away. Um, and, and you're playing terrible on, on the road playing even worse at home just just a bad team overall right now and, and they need they need a shakeup. they're even worse at home than they are on the road which is really inexcusable and leads you to believe that maybe part of the success that they had last year was not only because of catching teams on back-to-backs but also not playing in front of fans there really wasn't a lot of pressure on them in game they weren't hearing any booing and, and all yeah. that and that, that is a real world especially to young teams I do want to take some bright spots, though. I think I think you've got a player in Grimes. Um, he lit it up from three. He can D it up, and he can shoot it. Yep. And, and he and makes quickly, the right play. And quickly still a really good player. I think he's somebody that you want to have on your team as a sixth man kind of scoring guard off the bench. But Barrett, I'm, I'm scared about, man. I, I think that all those comps that we made, they might have been a little generous. He. I don't know what his future is right now because he's he's an incredibly inconsistent scorer. He has a game like he did against San Antonio where I think he had 27 and was putting the ball on the deck and able to shoot. And then he has games where you forget he's even out there, um, it, which is which is troubling. I think if there's a guy that the Knicks can get, and I'm sure you saw this flash across your Bleacher Report today, the Knicks are a team that was is showing some interest in Ben Simmons. I think everybody's on the table if you can go get Ben Simmons. I agree with you, and, and you know I'm going to do a complete 180 on the guy once they get him. He's the perfect tips player, man. Yeah, he, he definitely is. Only issue is that doesn't really solve your, your Randall problem. It doesn't really solve your primary scorer, and he needs to be surrounded by shooters. I mean, Randall clogging up the paint is not going to help out of Simmons. I Maybe think... Randall's going to have to do a pick-and-roll thing and become a more uh, outside player. Right. I, I think that you would then go out and make some smaller moves to get floor spacers and shooters. You've got Grimes. It would probably be a move that doesn't signify, hey, we're going for it this year, but you can then construct a roster around him. Yeah, and then, um, and then quickly be. immediately becomes your Tyrese Maxey of last year who's having a great year this year where it's kind of that secondary ball handler role. I think he's more built for that anyway. Is kind of a He can catch and shoot, and, and he can also make plays, but he's more of a secondary ball handler um, like his Kentucky teammate. Right, and two, with, with Simmons, if, if he did come to the Knicks, and listen, we don't know what the hell's going on. Do they want to trade him in conference? Do they want to trade him in division? Who the hell knows? But 
if you can get a nice package for him, one thing that Simmons does for the Knicks is he at least gives them a building foundational block, yeah. right? To, to, to literally say, okay, he's going to be, we're going to contour our roster makeup around a player like Ben Simmons, which the Knicks don't have on their current roster. No, not at all. Not at all. They, I mean, you thought it was going to be, some people thought it was going to be Randall. I think I sniffed that one out pretty quickly. Um, and I mean, Simmons only being 25 years old, it's depressing when you look up these guys' ages and they're and you're older than them. Yeah, thanks. Um, I am too. Yeah, that's true, but not as many as me. Um, no, we would have probably like, been like, in I, high school at the same time. So I look at Kyrie. It's like with all the drama he's had and like his whole career. He was drafted in the 2011 draft. He's one year younger than me. I'm like, come on, man. Um, Speaking of but Kyrie, let's talk about your Nets. Speaking of Kyrie, I think we got to talk some Nets, and we'll start Is with the chance report today that came out that I was surprised by, Tom. I don't know if there's a trade because, according to Shams, there's growing optimism that Kyrie's coming back to the Nets this season. and So that means that he's going to get the shots. Well, <laughs> in typical Kyrie Nets fashion, nobody knows. But the report that Shams put out there was saying that him and Durant have been talking extensively over the last couple weeks about in-game strategy, about basically everything going on with the Nets team. And there's a big push from Durant, Harden, players, and coaches to get him involved, whether probably meaning that that's as a part-time player on the road in non-vaccine-mandated cities, uh, which would be very interesting there's been a lot of rumors that if you could just get him around his teammates, he'll eventually cave and get the shot. I'm not that optimistic, but just to hear, like hey, that, he might though. come back. He might come back. We're going to find out. And I'm, still of, the, be... I'm still of the camp that I think the Nets, who are, who are on the court, they're number one in, their, in the conference right now at 19-8. and eight. Kevin Durant it might be having his best season ever coming off an Achilles, believe it or not. Of a couple of years back, he looks to be a thousand percent back, great defensively, and we know he's a walking bucket. With that being said, do you? Yeah, he had fifty-one against the Pistons. That was that was a great game. Do you? Would you rather get two or two or three players that you can plug right into your lineup, and that are guaranteed to play? It's a great question, and there's a there's a few pieces of criteria to dive into here. One. The best record in the East and the fact that they're winning without him has bought them time to avoid doing anything in a frantic, rushed manner, right? So let's say they were hovering around 500 or barely keeping contention. You would say, oh, you might have to start thinking of a trade now. But because of where they are in the standings, they can milk this pretty much all the way to the trade deadline, where obviously we've seen how fluid things are. I mean, it feels like we've been dealing with this forever. It's only been two months, which is still less than when the trade deadline is. It's like two months and change Mm. from now. So would I rather, if circumstances don't change and he's not coming back, would I rather them trade him for two or three pieces that – get the Nets what they need, which is more floor spacing, which is more rebounding, and another guard who can handle the ball, absolutely, no question about it. I'm looking but at like a, a Reggie Jackson and a Terrence Mann. Those would be great additions, but again, if there is the if there is this optimism that Shams reported on today, that he comes back, 
he's not going to come back completely half-assed. It might be that in the beginning where he is only playing road games, but you know that there's going to be a Ky- Kyrie's going to be more and more of a focal point, and you can't trade, you cannot trade Kyrie Irving if he's going to give you what you need, um, because there's there is no equal value for him. Yeah, no, you're not going to you're going to get. 10 to 20 cents on the dollar, but if that dollar is worth nothing at the end of the year and you have right. a chance to win a title. It has been funny, though, because it's been – there's been nothing coming out of the Nets, at all, and there's been nothing coming out of Kyrie. Yep. So it's been kind of weird where you're just at the stalemate and we're all here to just to be skeptical of what could happen and prognosticate about what the future holds. We've seen with Kyrie Irving that nobody fucking knows what's going on, and the Nets are and it could change by as, the day, my friend. It could change by the day, and the Nets are as buttoned up as any any team in the league. So it's going to be a fascinating thing. But you know, the the optimism there is is that he's been talking with Durant about in game strategies and all that, and the coaches and players want him to come back. And as as steadfast as Joe Sy might be about not wanting to do that. The last piece here, Tom, is that the minutes that Harden and Durant are logging is insane right now. They're each playing about 40 minutes a game. And I know they love to hoop, and they're hoopers. They've each had a day of rest off in the last week. But you don't want to max these guys out. And if Kyrie can even just get you road games, I mean, what that does, saving Patty Mills and saving Harden and saving Durant and having games like last night that should be blowouts – and stop them from being eight-point games with, you know, six minutes left against the Detroit Pistons, right? Like, it, you, it, it's it's going to be a really interesting couple of months, I think. It already has. Yeah, it already has. But on the floor, man, they've been, they've been great. They've been going through their growing pains. But defensively, this team, wow. I mean, they went on a 23-1 to run in the fourth quarter yesterday. They closed out Atlanta. Uh, on pure defense, uh, Atlanta didn't make a shot for like three minutes. Are you concerned about Harden? He looks a step slow. I'm a little concerned about it, but he's still making His a lot of plays. Free throws are up. Fifteen throws game, are starting a couple to get games up. ago. Yeah, and he has made some big plays. I, I, I obviously he's nowhere close to what we expect him to be, but I still think he's playing a role that he's not. He changed his entire mindset last year, right? So to just tell him to go attack, 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 he's, he wants to be a playmaker. He wants to get guys involved. The turnovers are probably what scare me the most with him because he's been turning the ball over a lot. But that could also go back into he's trying to force things because he's playing right. bad, and you see that a lot. Turnovers come when you're not playing your best game. So, that, I, I mean, look, like you said, we're two months away from the trade deadline. All-star break is in February, so we still have some time left to go. For sure, and the fact that they're nineteen and eight with all of these questions and concerns, and not Joe beating Harris the best out. teams, Joe Harris out, which has really hurt them because they have basically no floor spacing. But hey, some bright spots: Cam Thomas, the rookie at LSU, has looked really good Filling coming up, off as kind of like a sixth man role. He's averaging like eleven a game. And I love when he waves games. off Durant. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Well, and they've given him the confidence too to to play Durant and, likes and be him. His, himself. So they like him a lot. So it, it's it's fun. I mean, the team is meshing well. There's just obviously the biggest point of concern is the amount of minutes that Durant and Harden are logging this early in the season. Yeah, uh, you need somebody to take the load off, whether it be like a Clay Thompson acquisition being Kyrie for the Nets, um, 
addition without having to make any moves, or you trade Kyrie or you you make some moves. Um, moving on to the next topic, we already talked a little Ben Simmons. Um, I think the obvious trades there is Portland with their new regime there. Um, who do, who else do you see? I think it really depends on what they're looking for as a trade piece. Is, is We've been Morey, saying that for months. Yeah, but is Daryl Morey – I'll ask you because we haven't really talked about it in a few few weeks at least. Is Daryl Morey really going to hold on to this, I need to get at least a top 25 player back in return, or is he going to say, just give me the best package and, and I'll just build a really nice team full of surrounding guys? Look, I don't think Ben Simmons is ever going to play for the Sixers again, and eventually the – Decision is going to come out of Daryl Morey's hands and go into the ownership's hands. And that's when I think they'll start to look at better packages or, or more realistic packages. How about that? I think realistic is the perfect word there because really, Tom, what are you getting for him? Why would a team give up a lot for him? Now you see Indiana, right? They're, they're signaling to other front offices that they're open for business. You've got not necessarily the centers there because you got him beat in Philly, but hey, Karis LeVert, Malcolm Brogdon, um, Duarte, I mean, those would be pretty good players to put around the guys that they already have. You obviously mentioned Portland. I mean, the, the match between with him and for McCollum would just be too obvious. You've got Sacramento saying that they're looking to trade healed. Could you get healed and, and maybe Bagley and someone else in return too? So I think we're starting to see teams now that trade season's about to be upon us that are that are going to become a little bit more clear as far as trade partners. Yep, definitely. Um, with the Pacers, I, I, everybody's for sale. Sabonis so is going to cost the most there by far. I think Turner's the most interesting player. I think he, with Sabonis being there, I don't think he's playing up to his true potential. Um, I think he... I mean, Christian Wood's having a great year. I would comp him to Christian Wood, and I think he could be even better. Um, I think whoever gets him, if they play him the right way, is getting an absolute steal. I, the, my team for him, I'd love to see him in Charlotte. Mm. Pick and roll That's with LaMelo. They got a lot of spacers out there, and they, they are in desperate need of a rim protector and a good center. And the guy leads the league's. Leads the league in blocked and altered shots for like the third year in a row. I don't, I don't know why we're talking about Gobert. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I think that would be a perfect match. And, you know, Charlotte has has assets that Indiana could use. Yeah, they, they have built themselves up pretty well. Um, anything else you want to talk about around the NBA? The Cavaliers? I mean, geez. Definitely the Cavs. Both 16 and 12. They got the third best defense in the league. They got the 15th best offense. Darius Garland taking a major step forward. Possible all-star this year. You really must miss Jared Allen because he got 100 milli from them, and he's been excellent. He was um, never going to get 100 milli from us. So. I know, I know. And then, I mean, Mobley might be – I think he's leading the league for rookie of the year right now. Mobley's the best man. He's so he's so fucking fun to watch. He missed some time with injury. Uh, I watched Cade Cunningham last night uh, playing against my Nets, and man, does he look good! This rookie class is starting to shape up, but I, I think the Cavs are real. I don't see a reason why they can't be a playoff team this year in a very crowded but underwhelming East. No, and I think some of these top teams, are, especially the Chicago Bulls, might fall back a little bit. Not not due to play, but I mean the Bulls had like nine guys on COVID. 
Yeah, they then they have their next two games against Detroit and against uh, Toronto postponed because they can't even uh, put a team on the floor, which is really wild to think about when the NBA has rules where you can sign free agents to these small term deals to to cover your ass. Yeah, you ten days outbreak. But it's wild, dude. Um, another one too to me is. Don't look now, but Milwaukee's starting to click on all cylinders. They're looking really good and dangerous again. A slow start, it seems to be behind them. Yeah, um, I, I mean, we knew it was coming. Giannis got better from his Game 7 of last year, and, and they're starting to get healthy. is not even back yet, and I think he's going to add a lot to them. I feel like we've been saying that for years, but this might be the year. Um, the only other two things I want to talk about, me personally, are the Lakers, which... I feel like need to be spoken about. You can't you can't leave them out. And the Mavericks. I mean, we could talk Warriors and Suns. They are excellent. They're amazing. But what else? We we already talked that to death. That those two teams are the class of the of the league with your Brooklyn Nets. For sure. No, we don't need to waste any more time there on those two teams. We we talked about hey, which one is better after their two matchups a few weeks back. But yeah, so let's talk Lakers, Tom. Give me your observations because they do seem to be playing a little bit better, but they're still not great right now. They are sieves defensively. Every player aside from LeBron and AD that knew how to play defense, they traded away for Russell Westbrook, um, which is kind of weird because it's a Frank Vogel team and they literally won a championship two years ago. Less than two years ago was the bubble season on on defense primarily. Um, LeBron looks like he's coasting. They're the sixth seed in the East. Russell Westbrook, every other game, is a travesty. Just... He's terrible on defense every single game, and I guess you really can't teach an old dog new tricks. I don't think he'll ever learn how to just play defense and stop being a wild man. And then on offense, he's a turnover machine, um, and he still can't shoot. And then the only thing he can shoot, actually, is corner threes. I think he's shooting close to 60% from there. So imagine just telling what Russell Westbrook to stand in the corner, though. No, of course not. And you want that dribble penetration and his explosive moves to the rim. He filled it up against the Celtics uh, last week when they when they blew out Boston. Yeah, one out of every couple complete. games, they'll have a good one, but then he sucks. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, that was probably the most complete game they played all year, and that was after uh, Charles Barkley went up and in on Anthony Davis, which I Deservedly think is fair. So. Deservedly yes, so. He put sure. on a lot of weight, and now he's caught between Shaq and Tim Duncan when before he was Tim Duncan 2.0 with possibly a much better jump shot. Um, and he's definitely not Shaq. So, and he's been shooting terribly this year. He is having an awful year. And the shot selection has been pathetic. And I don't know if some of that was trying to cover up for LeBron, but you know, the, the, this supporting cash just doesn't make sense. And we've been saying that, and that's not going to change. We're not going to stop saying that until there's a huge roster configuration. I don't know what moves do they have to make, though. They signed a bunch of veteran minimums. I know. There there was, uh, along with your Knicks, they were the other team that was mentioned as the most recent interested in Simmons. They don't have anybody to to trade for Simmons. They can be, I get it, he's a clutch athlete, and they can be interested all they want. But that's that's as far <laughs> yeah. as it'll go, right? Yeah, that's as it's. I don't even know what Daryl Morey how he could be on the phone with them for more than twenty seconds. Like it's no. he's gonna ask for AD, and then they're gonna say no, and they're, that's it. Man, AD with Embiid though. Oof. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, but no, I, I'm totally with you. And, and as for the Mavericks, they lost a game against my Brooklyn Nets last Tuesday. That, that was that a game great won me game. a lot of money as I was chasing. I know you were you were texting me, and I said, "There's no way he's that interested in this game unless he's hoping for the Nets." So it was, "Oh wait, never mind. That makes sense." Uh, <laughs> he bet this one. Um, great game, but really, the Nets had no business winning that game. They were down 17 at the end of uh, at the end of the third quarter. Came back and won. And Tom, I'm going to call out. I'm going to I'm going to do my best Charles Barkley impersonation here against against Luca. And Reggie Miller was calling him out during the game, too, so I guess I don't even have to. I'm so disappointed with him. I picked him to win MVP last year. I thought he'd be in the consideration this year. He's out of shape. He's fat. He's missing games now with an ankle injury. And, I mean, man, as that game was going on, you talk about how Harden's out of shape. Harden blew past him three times in the last, like, two minutes. And Harden's not necessarily the most pinnacle of, uh, of fitness right now. So, I, I was I, I'm really disappointed, and obviously the Porzingis they don't play well together, and I don't know what the future holds with Porzingis. Not only because of how they don't fit, but also Tom, just you know he's a he's an injury waiting to happen. He is, and he's already you know forced his way out of town in the best town in the world, that being New mm-hmm. York City. So you know he's kind of a flight risk. Uh, I mean, this team you don't have the answers, and giving away Seth Curry. Last year was the biggest mistake they could make. They needed another ball handler to take the pressure off of Luka, and Jalen Brunson's just not doing it. Um, and you're right. You're you're absolutely right about Luka. He is out of shape. He does – I mean, listen, obviously he's probably a top six player in the league. He's going to have his moments, but he's not having them consistently enough. And this Mavericks team needs a complete facelift. Rick Carlisle clearly wasn't the issue there. So what would you do? If you're Dallas right now, I mean, what can you do? You're in a holding pattern. I mean, you unless can look somebody, to see if there's any takers for Porzingis, right? Unless somebody wants to take on Porzingis, then you could trade your your ancillary pieces, being Hardaway Jr. and and Kleber and um, Green down there. But aside from that, you really have nothing. And Brunson as well, I guess. But what are you going to get in return for those guys? I think Brunson can fetch you. A nice piece back. I mean, obviously, you're not looking for the same kind That's of player. That's a draft but... pick trade, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're going to get another good. I don't know if you're going to get equal value for him player wise. I mean, the contender is going to be going for him, and they're not going to be giving anybody up. And if if you're going to trade for draft picks, that means you're throwing in the towel, right? Well, and that might be what they're going to do. Uh, the The biggest concern, obviously, if you're a Mavericks fan, is you're you've obviously hitched your wagon to Luka Doncic and how how confident do you feel in him being the face of your franchise right now yeah how confident are you that that he cares more about basketball than anybody else um because he's coming in not ready to to dominate an 82 game season um and you could say the same obviously for Zion Williamson I it's different because he's had a million injury setbacks but the Pelicans got to be at DEFCON 1 as well or maybe oh, they're, they're not because he's almost forcing himself to sign the qualifying offer now. I mean, at this point, do you really even want him to? I mean, I do because here's here's my – I don't know if it's silver lining. I guess, I'm, I guess it's more of the analogy of the glass half full. Mm. Listen, you got to think to what Zion was at the you know, second half of last year. He was incredible, I know. right? 
And he had a foot surgery that kept him on his behind for four or five months. And then he said he was going to be ready. The Pelicans, as of December 2nd, were ready to ramp up full basketball activity. Um, And he was complaining of soreness in his foot. Turns out it wasn't mending properly. So now he is being scaled back like crazy. But I, I listened to a few podcasts on the Pelicans where there was reports that he was the back down. Not the Pelcast, um, but there was reports where he was, um, you know, I think back down. The secretary down. is making an appearance on that. So. Yes, the secretary is a big Zion guy, so he's gonna love my glass half full. Here, he was back down to when he was getting ready to re- return to basketball activities. Back down to two sixty five, which is still a big man, but that was his playing weight last year. Um, so listen, there's no three thirty, there's no three hundred pounds. Zion, um, he's back to his playing weight, which is glass half full as it can be. And as long as this foot mends properly, listen, the foot's a major red flag in general. But if it mends properly and he's able to play the last 40 games this season, 30 games, I think you'll be all right. And he's going to come in super motivated to play at least half the season next year because if not, the stipulation in the contract, the qualifying offer goes down from $17 million to seven. Yeah, that's a, that's a big, big decrease in pay there. Um, I, I, I'm going to make a, a not quite a comp, but an analogy of, of a little troubling uh, a little troubling one where I'm not going to be as glass half full as you. But this is reminding me a little bit of Greg Oden. Wow. You know, it's not the same body type, obviously. Zion's just a brick shithouse of a man while Odin was a tall, tall guy. But And his feet were not the same length. Bad, no, but bad feet, constant bad feet. This is not the same. This is not the first time that Zion's had issues with his foot. He plays a style of basketball that is a little uncharacteristic and a little bit different. We haven't seen a lot of guys like Zion before, very similar. We hadn't seen a lot of Greg Odens before, a guy who, remember, for that time in NBA, he could shoot for a big man. Um, and, you know, the Blazers hitched their wagon to him, saying that we can't can't give this guy up because they had flashes of brilliance when he was healthy. That made you think, hey, this, this guy's a stud. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I certainly hope it doesn't. But Zion's been a lot has been injured a lot more than he's been healthy in his short career. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right on that. I was watching some Duke highlights and I was like, this is just a different human being. Different human being, and I think his motivation's there. He's got the high character, just like Odin did. I I, I just think that you know how how much can the body take when you're playing at such an awkward size and trying to stand through the rigors of an NBA season. Yeah, no, that that is definitely worrisome, and sometimes weight is not gonna not gonna be the only factor there. No, not at all. It's I, I like I said, I certainly hope I'm wrong because the league needs Zion, and he he's he's unlike anything we've seen before from a power standpoint at that and with that ability to shoot. But shit, it doesn't look good right now. Anything else, Tom? That's catching your eye in the NBA. That's about it. Aside from Anthony Edwards being the most explosive, greatest player I've ever seen. (laughs) That's a strong take. He's incredible. Um, He's been a lot of fun to watch. It's a shame he's on a Timberwolves team where they got to get rid of the cat and your boy D'Angelo Russell wreaks way too much havoc. Oh, God, he's so bad. 
They played the Nets like two Fridays ago when he missed a layup at point-blank range that would have tied the game. He's terrible. He really is. Um, but that's about it for me. All right, same here. I know one thing that you really want to talk, and that's some PGA. So let's talk Tiger. Tiger's coming back this week. Uh, the golf season's pretty much wrapped up, but there's a there's a cupcake event. Um, I, I think they, they refer to it as a hit and giggle or something like that, um, and Tiger said he could do that, hinting um, a couple weeks ago in the Bahamas that he was going to come back for this. He is going to play with his son, Charlie. A lot going on with Tiger for golf fans, man. I know it's quiet around around non uh, around mere mortals, but us real golf fans is I got a lot of questions for Tiger if he wants to stay in, in the public light because um, I think Tiger's got um, some real issues. And like I, what? Well, my first issue, if I was Tiger's advisor, I'd say, listen. Everything bad that's happened to you since, what was it, 2007 has happened in a car, right? Mm. Interesting, huh? Let's go through it. So, first one, his wife catches him cheating, all that stuff. How how does the public find out about that? Because his wife threw a golf club through his car and he crashed it. Next one, he gets pulled over and gets a DUI driving. Now, he wasn't intoxicated or under the influence of alcohol. It was just a bunch of pills, but a DUI is a DUI nonetheless. Correct. Third one, very scary. Could have been a lot scarier than it was. Falls asleep at the wheel and hits a fire hydrant a few years back. And then obviously we have our most recent incident of where Tiger is absolutely lucky to be alive and and lucky to not have lost his leg when he literally drove off a cliff in a, I believe, a 40-mile-an-hour speed zone going 87 with no signs of braking at all whatsoever. Yep, So I, February. Uh, yes, and I believe Tiger has some major issues. Um, listen, I don't know, obviously don't know him personally, but I, I think there's something going on there. Um, so I'd say maybe avoid cars, get a driver. You have all the money in the world. Um, you're the highest-earning athlete every single year. Um, so with that being said, I, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in the reporters, not, a, not asking more questions. Why wasn't blood taken when he was taken to the hospital? Cause we don't even know if he was under the influence of anything as he was driving 87 miles an hour off a cliff. Um, you know, it, it, is, does he have I'm to, I'm sure there were contingency things put in place where the reporters would not be allowed to ask any personal questions like that. These, these questions, first, these questions first need to be asked. Sure they do, but maybe right now is not the time. Can you see Tiger doing like a, a tell-all on the Players' Tribune no. at some point? No. At some point, not now. Not in, Tiger. In a few years. Not Tiger. All right. Nothing will come out. Well, we then, why, never then, know about then this. why do you think they need to ask the question if he's never going to answer it? Because if he's going to be in the public light and still consider himself a role model and make all this money off of this, there's some questions that need to be answered. I don't think that Tiger... I think Tiger now is at a point where the only thing he cares about is being a father and maybe going and playing a couple of rounds of golf on his terms and not really caring about the result, dude. Oh, he seems okay. like he's. I, I I'm serious. We'll like, see what right happens. Well, talk to me. Talk to me in April. 
I said right now. <laughs> I didn't talk say to me April. in April when we go down to Augusta, Georgia. I would love to go down to Augusta, Georgia at any point. But yeah, I, Tom, I don't know though. Like, obviously, if he it feels a lot better, he's still playing with that sleeve on his leg. He's just doing this event, hitting giggles with his son and, and trying to Listen, have a good it's going to be fun, and I'm going to watch. I, I don't expect anything out of him. Um, I, I'm excited to see his son play. So what more does he have to prove? He doesn't he has, have to prove anything. No, he never – I mean, honestly, he really the, never did. I'm, uh, no, but the days of him chasing Jack I think are long gone. I think he's just going to be happy to play, and when he feels his best, he's going to enter a tournament, and it will probably be only the majors. And we'll see him if he can sustain four days of really high end golf. But I don't think that's his priority at this point. I don't. I don't disagree with you. But if you're if you're still going to make all the money, you're going to have to answer some tough questions. All right. Well, if it's on Tiger's terms, he's not going to go there, and I don't think that. His first event back with his son is the time where the reporters are going to start. No, I was talking more about. I was talking more about when he did the presser in the Bahamas because he does stuff for Golf Digest and Golf Magazine, and we all know that that's all preordained and and cushy cushy. And Tiger's only going to answer what he's going to answer. But when you sit down at a press conference, it's wide open. Generally speaking, but I'm I'm going to push back on you with Tiger. Tiger is. The maybe outside of Jordan and Muhammad Ali, although Muhammad Ali, for the time in which he was the champion, there was obviously a lot of issues in this country. Not that there aren't now, but um, there the reporters, there's the reporters, the media, the fans, the sport in which they are in are so grateful to have him. He's like a deity. You know, I if, get that. If they're but, not gonna put. They're not gonna. But these questions, I'm not the only one asking these questions. These questions are being asked within golf media. I understand that. I'm sure it would be a lack. It would be a dereliction of duty if they weren't. But the majority of the media is just so happy to see him playing. I mean, you saw when he just posted that video of him hitting the ball with the sleeve around his leg. Oh, People I was giddy about that too. Nuts. Of course you were. So that they're just so happy. A, he's alive. Obviously I think anybody's just happy. He's alive, but for the golf world, they're ecstatic. He's alive. They're ecstatic to see him hit a golf ball again. And they just want to watch him. I don't think that the thought of you have to explain what you were doing 10 months ago. And, how are you not? How are you still driving? And what are you doing for car service and all that? I think that everybody's just so happy to have their god back, which is essentially—I hate to say that term—in fear of being hyperbolic, but I think that's really what he is in the world of golf. And until he firmly forever goes away, he's not—he's always going to be that. Uh, listen, I agree with you wholeheartedly, except for the the slight part with he's making money off of all this, so he does have to answer some tough questions. Although he probably, you're right, will never get asked them. I don't give a shit what he does. I just think it's in his best interest to maybe get a driver. Sure. Um, that and, I agree. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, obviously, getting a DUI and driving under the influence of anything is not right. You're taking other people's lives into your hands, but I don't. I don't care. I'm just saying, like the golf media needs to step the fuck up because I mean, aside, even with Michael Jordan, I know there was gambling questions asked. You know what I mean? There, there were, especially in the early days. And I think that was even also so when he first retired, like reporters would right. ask him 
about that? Why, you know, were you forced, blah, blah, blah? Like any other sports um, aside from golf, the media would be asking these tough questions, whether or not he was going to answer them or he was going to dance, which I'm sure he would, just like any other athlete. Um, You know, just like all these other golf athletes that are doing the, the bone saw classic and dancing around the questions of the Middle East and saying they want to grow the game. <laughs> They're doing the same thing, but the questions still got to get asked. And that's my only point. We can leave it at that. They're not going to get asked, so yep. I'm asking, Tiger. You're welcome on any time. Oh, my God. Could you imagine if we got Tiger? Whew. Be something else. That, that would be something else. Uh, that'll be episode 300. We'll make it uh, sure. We'll make it that one. But, yeah, man, it, it'll, it is exciting to see him play. Is there anybody else of note who's playing in this tournament with Tiger? No, this is, a, this, is a, this is barely a, an event. The only reason why okay. it's an event is because Tiger's playing it. Golf season's <laughs> over, man. Got it. We got a couple months, right? Yeah, I mean they're going all the way through, but we're not we're not coming back until right around right before uh, right before Augusta. You got the waste management and things. Okay, cool. So we can put that on hiatus. But hey, anytime Tiger plays, it's noteworthy. Whether yeah, we'll mention it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you got to mention it, or else you're not really a sports podcast. Um, Let's finish up with some college basketball, Tom. Um, We got conference play starting this week. And there's been a lot of shakeups in the top 25. So we're trying to find our way through so far and, and make some predictions and see how these conferences are going to shape up before mm-hmm. we jump into that. Any teams that have caught your eye, just checking the scores, watching some games casually. I mean, Baylor. Yeah. Baylor losing a lot of players, but they seem to be back. That Villanova scored 36 points last night. I know. College basketball, the scoring feels like it's gone backwards about a hundred years in some of these games. Oh, that's such a good point. I mean, even Gonzaga's had a few clunkers. Tennessee, uh, that game was Tennessee. awful. Why did I gamble on it against <laughs> uh, Texas Tech? Uh, yeah, pretty bad. That's pretty bad. I think it just goes to show that a there's these teams are trying to figure themselves out, but there's going to be a lot of parity, which is kind of what I want to talk about and not necessarily give a declarative prediction but we can talk about maybe like two or three teams in each of the major conferences that Mm -hmm. interest us we'll start in the conference that has the teams you and i root for the big east that has st john's uconn amongst others how do you see this conference shaping up in just the regular season do you have a clear cut favorite here or do you think that it's going to be pretty wide open and go down to the wire i think it's actually going to be pretty wide open and go down to the wire i mean villanova is still in the top 10 um but with that being said, they already have three losses. I mean, they've been playing a much tougher schedule than, you know, the teams like St. John's who played like Colgate last night. Um, <laughs> but, I, I mean, I, I like – I think there's going to be – I think UConn's got a shot to win this to win this uh, league. I think they do for as sure. As Providence. A, yeah, as does Xavier, as does Seton Hall. Those two teams have looked pretty good so yeah. far. Yeah. Um, you know, I never really count out a team like Marquette, although they're a little undermanned this year. I do think that you could look at five teams in this conference, man, where you, you wouldn't be shocked if they headed headed into Madison Square Garden as the number one seed. UConn, I like a lot. Their offensive rebounding and their defense is great, but their offense at times is very stagnant. They're missing Martin and Sonogo right now, so they need some of the young kids to step up. But they're uh, they're they're probably a six or eight loss team 
overall heading heading into mm. heading into March. They're ranked twentieth now. They were fifteen. They lost a tough one to West Virginia. I look at Xavier. They can score the basketball. Villanova. We know what they are with Gillespie. Seton back. Hall as well. Yeah. Yep. How uh, how do you look at your St. John's? Uh, I year? think the Johnnies are going to be the middle of the pack in the Big East. The only thing that gives me a little bit of hope is Champagny because I, I've said this on the podcast already this year. I think he's going to be a Naismith candidate. The guy gets 20 in his sleep. Yeah, he's a fucking stud, and he's an absolute stud. And him on his own could upset a couple of the higher-end higher, higher end teams in this conference yeah. at any, so if, any night. If the rest of the team can can knock down a few more shots than they have and they can play that fast-paced basketball that they love to play and wreak a little havoc on defense, they might find their way into uh, into the tourney. I love it. I, I, I would, it would be great if the Big East, uh, if, they, if they could sneak like four or five teams in. I think that would be a phenomenal year for them. Let's move over to the Big 12. Is this Baylor's conference to lose? Um, I mean, you, st- you still got Will's Kansas Jayhawks there, my friend. But, yeah, you I, got, you Baylor's got as well. Yeah. And, and Iowa State, too. Yep. I mean, uh, but I do think it's Baylor's. I, I think Baylor's going to take this conference. They're just so deep. Yeah. And that's the thing in a college basketball game. When your bench comes in and is plus against the other team, then then you're in trouble. Think about the guys they lost to the draft, and they're just replacing them with kids who honestly not necessarily going to be as good, but they're ready to step in. They won't probably take a step back. Yep. No, I agree with you. Um, and then, I mean, you want to look at the SEC. I think Alabama and Kentucky are – is Alabama better than Kentucky this year? I think is going to be the question. Well, the, so far, for sure. I, uh, Kentucky's Kentucky twenty-one, and Auburn might be better than them too. Yeah, and and we've seen what Arkansas has been over the last few years. And I also never count out Tennessee and Florida, although I know well, Tennessee boned you. You know, I'm a cl- I, listen. I'm I'm going to forgive Bruce Pearl for that because I'm a I'm a closet Tennessee fan, and Bruce Pearl got suspended for some conspiracy, which I. He got caught again, but I still love the effort. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, he's he's made that program very formidable uh, since he's been there for sure. And obviously we know what he did when he was at Tennessee. I look up and down this conference and it's deep as hell. Bama, LSU, Auburn, Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky, Arkansas. I, I think all those teams, that's seven deep. I think those teams are all very capable uh, NCAA tournament teams. What about the Big Ten? Well, when I look at the Big Ten... Did I just say Iowa State? I like them. They're in the Big Ten. What am I talking about? No, Iowa State's in the Big 12, Oh, I'm getting my conferences confused here. Iowa's in the Big Ten. Yes. They're the weird one that does that. Um, Well, Florida, Florida State. But, yeah, in the Big Ten, (laughs) Purdue, to me, is is the clear-cut team, although they lost to Rutgers on a crazy-ass buzzer beater. Yeah. I mean, that's Um, a half-court shot, right? Yeah, yeah, as right after Purdue hit a layup with like three seconds left. But this team is super good. They've been ranked first. Obviously, they went down this week. And then I'm looking at a Michigan State team that was going into the those uh, Bahamas tournaments. Not super highly touted, but they beat my Huskies. And you know a Tom Izzo team. They're going to get better as the year goes on, particularly in February. You know how I feel about Tom Izzo, though. He gets a little too much credit in March. 
He does. That's why I said February. Coach, though. Yeah. 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 Uh, Michigan was picked to be a, a top. I think even at one point they were second or third ranked in the country. They've fallen. They've had some rough losses, but yeah. you know they'll be there. Uh, and Ohio State's going to be right up there too. Illinois. I don't know how much they lost from last year, but I look at this conference. This one's another really deep one. And, of course, at the lower end, you've got Wisconsin, Indiana, Iowa. What are those teams? Obviously, Iowa, they're losing Garza, who was uh, player of the year last year. Yeah, where is he now? Luca Graza. He is with the Pistons. He was a second-round pick. Uh-huh, I'm wondering how he's doing. Probably in the G yeah. League. Yeah, I think he's in the G League. I didn't I didn't see him for a minute against my Nets last night. Um <laughs> Going over into the Pac-12, the Conference of Champions, Tom. <laughs> UCLA Arizona? might be back, though. What's that? UCLA might be back. Speaking of uh, speaking of the Conference of Champions and Bill Walton. UCLA might be back, man. What a run they made last year, and they're so good. Johnny Juzang, looking for him to be Player of the Year candidate this year. Yeah, he he came out he came out for the draft and went back in and whatever. They also have um, the guy Jequez Jr. or whatever. I mean, he yep. was excellent in the tournament last year. This team is deep. They've got a lot of guys that can fill it up. And then of course you got Arizona, uh, who who's been picked to uh, to win this conference by a couple of couple of different places. So this this conference to me is not quite as deep. As some of the others that we mentioned, you got, you know, obviously UCLA stands out the most, Arizona right there with No, I mean, but the team you're looking at on the West Coast is Gonzaga. Oh, Gonzaga, for sure. Yeah, out there in the West Coast Conference. And BYU's right there, too. I mean, obviously BYU's a perennial NCAA team. But Gonzaga, are they better than they were last year, Tom? Not saying from a win-loss record. They've already lost this year. But are they a better team than they were last year? I think they're a more talented team. Led okay. by Chet. Yeah. The real Slim Reaper. Dude, he how much of Durant does he remind you of? Uh, oh, it's he's crazy. Than, well, he's seven foot. Durant's seven foot, too. He's so fucking skinny, but so is KD. I, I'm not making any more comparisons, but man, when you watch him play and just the fluidity of his game, and he does everything. Uh, and then obviously you got Tim A. Uh, they're, they're really good. Holmgren... Is he? He's one and done, probably, right? He's, you're looking 100%. at him. One hundred percent. I mean, yeah, you're looking you're, at him as a top two pick this year. Yeah, he's probably number one. Yeah, because because of exactly what you said, you throw out the Durant comp, and that's all you got to do for people to start creaming about it. Yep. Well, we'll be creaming about him all year this year in college basketball. I think it's going to be a fun year, man. I mean, Gonzaga. Remember, they were obviously undefeated last year. They were the cream of the crop. Looking up and down as we just kind of detailed these conferences and, and a lot of these teams. I have not seen a clear-cut dominant team so no, far. Not at all. And we didn't even really talk ACC, but do we have to with Duke being the class of it? We didn't talk ACC because I don't think that this conference is particularly great. I look at Duke, and that's probably it. No. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, Virginia's already had some brutal losses, and we know what Virginia is. They, they don't score the basketball. They need to win on defense, and if their defense doesn't hold up, they're not going to win. Yeah, and UNC has one good recruit every year since the years of Ty Lawson and Psycho T. That's right. Well, no, they, yeah. won, a national, they won a national championship with uh, Josh – not Josh Jackson, whoever it was, a couple years ago. Yeah, they had Paige, and they had some other guys. But they're – well, with Roy Williams out now, it's – they're not the same yet. They're going to go through a year or two where they're not 
they're not the UNC that we know, but if they recruit the way that they're used to recruiting and they could build a program with guys, they're, they're going to be back to it. But it's Krzyzewski's final season. I mean, Syracuse is a weird team because somehow they find their way into the tournament every year as like an 11 or 12 seed before you know it, they're in the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. Every single year. And is this Bayheim's last year or what? Uh, no, he's he has not announced that, that that it is. So I thought he he's was retiring and then not, and then I don't know. I think there was talks about it a few years ago that he was done, but he's got he's got his son now playing, who, who's three point assassin. Yeah, hey, he, I I made fun of him when I was like, oh wow, look at coach's son, and then I watched him through he the tournament hurt. last year, and I was like, oh never mind, this this kid can fucking ball. Yeah, no, he deserves. He's one of those few that actually deserves to be on the team. College basketball in the NBA, man, pretty fucking wide open. Should be a fun winter. Yeah, absolutely should. You got anything else? Not much else. Are you? Have you uh, caught up on Succession? I know there was an epic series or uh, season finale last night that I heard all about. Obviously, I, I don't watch. I have not. I'm caught up on Curb, excluding last night's episode. I watched a yep, bunch of Curb, um, but I did not catch up on Succession yet. I wanted to finish up The Wire and get that done. So I could be back to Succession, Yellowstone, Curb, um, and F is for Family because I finished Big Mouth. That's my like light cartoon show. It's pretty funny <laughs> with Bill Burr. Um, awesome. So no, I can't discuss that. Um, but I was thinking back, uh, my top five shows ever. Um, yeah. And I think I've got my list. All right. I think I've got Name my it. list. Uh, number one, Breaking Bad. I'll give you the yep. best scene from each show, too. Number one, Breaking Bad. Oh, best scene in that show was when... the You've seen Breaking Bad, right? No. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you knew this. Yeah, I've never seen That's it. ridiculous, dude. I know. I know. Like, the Yankees suck. Stop watching so much bullshit sports that it's you realize... Sport. Dude, I don't commit to TV shows. I'm horrible at TV Dude, 90% shows. of the sports are, like, you feel empty after watching them. Like, unless it's not I'm... even the sports, bro. It's just, I, like, I just... I have a very difficult time keeping attention from the series. All right, I so do. best moment and best buy was when... Best buy. Let's <laughs> get back to it. Yeah, Breaking Bad. Break um, down your list. That was when... Walter finally revealed to Jesse that uh, he watched his girlfriend overdose and die. I was waiting for that for about 10, 10, 10 seasons, it felt like. Second best show, Sopranos. You've seen that, right? That I have seen. I don't want to give anything away, but the best moment was finally when Tony got rid of Christopher in the car accident. Yeah, yep, yep. yep. Number three is Mad Men. My favorite moment in Mad Men. You ever seen Mad Men? No. I did watch. No, I did actually. I don't think I finished it, but I watched the first like four seasons. My favorite moment in Mad Men was when Don Draper was just like absolutely losing his mind, and he brought his kids to where he grew up at the brothel. That was just <laughs> a great moment. Number four, I'm gonna throw The Wire in there. Um, maybe because it's fresh, nope. but it is one of the greatest TV shows ever. You never seen The Wire, have you? Nope. Number that was probably I think it was the first or second season when. Uh, two of the main characters just used the word fuck for the entire scene. And it was it it was like great acting. I don't even know how yeah. to describe it. And then number five, this might come as a surprise to people, Atlanta. That show is incredible. Whoa. Um, and that's not even a scene. That's just an episode where Lakin Stainfield, whatever his name is, I don't know how to pronounce it, um, he goes to buy a piano, and the guy's supposed to be like Michael Jackson, 
and it's just the trippiest, craziest episode ever. Um, and it's like based off like Michael Jackson kind of. Um, it's this like crazy guy in a wheelchair, and actually, Childish Gambino played the guy, which I found out much later. Oh, that's that's um, great. And yeah, that's that's a must see, and Atlanta's coming back. So that's my top five. It's um, a good list. Yeah, Succession's creeping its way up as well as Yellowstone. Um, but you know that that that's a list right there, Sean. And you haven't seen a lot of shows on that list, so you should probably jump right in. I don't understand what you're having a tough time understanding. I'm horrible with shows. I'll give you a perfect you're example. You're 30 now, bro. Start Fargo. I watched the first two seasons of Fargo. Loved them. Had every reason to keep going. Fell off. Haven't watched it since. That happens to me on some shows like Dexter. I stopped watching that. I was but like, I had no reason not to. Like, I loved it. I that happened to me no- the first time with The Wire, too. Yeah. I mean, I stuck. I, I I stuck with The Sopranos because I think. Oh, and uh, Boardwalk Empire was another one. I was all in on that show. Oh, that show I got clunky. Two seasons, and that was done. The but, secretary always told me if you're gonna watch like a mob show, watch uh, watch Peaky Blinders instead of Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, which obviously I have uh, watched three full episodes of. It's it's bad. <laughs> I, I'm embarrassed of. I'm embarrassed by it. But I also am not going to lie uh, that I've seen these. And I'm just not – I'm bad with movies. I'm bad with TV shows. Somehow I've seen more where I'm like, I haven't seen anything and people will name shit. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. I can remember that. Um, but obviously the Hallmark ones, the best ones, uh, it's been no. So I don't know what to do about it, Tom. Maybe uh, maybe I'm just broken. You're 30 now. Make some changes. Changes. People do New Year's resolutions. I'll do a, a decade resolution for yeah. thirty. I need to watch all these shows on your list. My that that's a big time list. Anybody will tell you. I I think it's a respectable list. And you know what's funny? Notice how there was no Game of Thrones on there. Um, no. It's it's funny because I can Game of Thrones I, is one. I I I had yeah. a little bit of your. Your sickness there. I got through a good like two or three seasons, and then I just never got back into it last year. No. And the worst part about it is, is it's not like anything that the show did. Like I'm not. I don't watch a show from a sophistication level of like, wow, like this got too clunky. I couldn't stick with it. It's always my own on my own volition. And uh, you know, I'm a pa- I'm a podcast junkie too. I listen to a lot of pods, so I'm like, well, you know, I could throw on a series. I could throw on a show. Or I could listen to a couple podcasts about topics that I'm interested in, and I tend to do that. And uh, so, I don't know. Hey, it is what it is. Be better. Yeah, well, well, I don't know if it's a matter about being better, but it is what it is. I'll surprise you one day. You're going to be – I'm going to come on this podcast, and you're going to have no warning. I'm going to tell you what I watched. Wow. You're going to be blown away. Blown away, and then we can actually have a discussion about it. Until then, it's one-sided. Yeah, it, it is very much one-sided, and I'm not even that much of a show junkie. But we'll be back on Wednesday. Sean, you are officially losing to me in the past. I know. I'm well <laughs> fucking aware. You're fucking Jets. <laughs> I am. Taysom Hill's playing with one goddamn hand, and the Jets lose. By... He ran all over me. He doesn't need his hand when he's got his legs. Fucking pathetic. Dude. Twenty-five Everything and twenty-one about. to twenty-four and twenty-three, baby. I got a few. I got four weeks left to get back into this before the playoffs. But I'm uh, I'm hot right I'm, now too. I'm upset. I'm I'm definitely upset, and I uh, I feel a way about it. And uh, I don't know what else to say. Well, maybe maybe one of those podcasts that you're so religious to pick up a gambling one. 
<laughs> listen, I don't want to become a degenerate. Like, yeah, I do listen to uh, I do listen to Cousin Sal actually. So there you go. Uh, Curry is four four three pointers away. Okay, I think with, he does it at the Garden tomorrow night. Hey, oh, he, listen. If if this game ends the way it is, he'll probably hit two more. He'll he'll easily do it. But we'll be back on Wednesday. Maybe we can lead with that. Everybody, have a good night. Have a good one.